0: The Bible is full of all of these amazing men and women. Um, one of my favorite chapters uh, is in Hebrews 11, where there's just this list uh, of all these kind of heroes of the faith. You know? And, and you, just, you just read some of these guys, and you just think, wow, their life, their faith, some of the things they did. You look at the life of David uh, and Joshua uh, Daniel, you, you look at Joseph. I mean, you look at some of these the, the, these men, these women, Ruth, and, and amazing, amazing lives. And, and sometimes it's easy to kind of fall into the trap of just thinking like these were extraordinary, like special people. But the reality is like they were just normal people. They were like me and you. And, and sometimes when we read their stories, it's easy to think, well, that was them and that was then. Uh, but their story's not there for us to kind of praise them. Their stories there to say, hey, look, you can do this as well. This is part of what God's doing in us and through us, and you could be a part of it as well. And so I was just thinking about some of the stories this week of the Bible, and some of the the men and the women, and I started to notice, like, time and time again, some of these what we would say heroes, and even in Hebrews 11, it, it, it tells us that man, they suffered greatly. They went through some things. And, and even Paul, imagine Paul, you know, he's had this call from God, he's, he, he has this Damascus Road experience, and, and you know what the Lord says to him? He says, uh, I'm going to show him all these things he must suffer for my name's sake. Like, whoa. Hold on a second. Can we, like, back it up a little bit? You know, all these things that you must suffer for my name's sake. You think about some of the things that, that uh, some of these men and women went through. I want to read a few scriptures this morning. They're not going to be on the screen, um, but you could follow along in your Bible if you have it. The first one is in Job chapter 1 and verse 20. Um, if you've ever read Job chapter 1, I mean, this guy has had the worst day ever, I mean literally ever, to the point that even today his name is synonymous with pain and suffering, like when you hear the name Job, you think, oh yeah, like you're going through something like Job, I mean, I don't know if it's a coincidence that Job and Job are spelled the same, (laughs) pain and suffering, but I don't know. Uh, but you read about Job, all of these things happen. But then it says this, uh, Job's lost everything. He's, he's, he's lost his family members, sons, he's lost daughters, he's lost all of this. And then it says this in Job 1 and 20, it says, Job arose, rent his mantle, shaved his head, fell down on the ground, and worshipped. Um, David, in 2 Samuel chapter 12, David is praying for a son, he, he, he's mourning, his son has just died, and then it says this, then David got up from the ground, after he had washed, he put some lotion, he changed his clothes, and he went down to the house of the Lord and worshipped. Um, in the book of 2 Kings the 19, the, the king is uh, Hezekiah, and Hezekiah the, uh, the Israel's been surrounded, Jerusalem surrounded, all of these things. He gets this letter from the Assyrian king basically saying, hey, we're getting ready to destroy you. you We're coming in. And and so he has all of this pressure getting ready. This this foreign nation is going to come in and overtake him. And it says this, And when King Hezekiah heard their report, he tore his clothes, he put on some burlap, and went down into the temple of the Lord. He sought after God. Um, in Acts chapter sixteen, there's Paul, and he's been preaching the gospel. He's been in prison, him, uh, and he's been beaten badly. He said, it, actually, the, the, the scripture says, and he was severely beaten, thrown into prison. And then when he's thrown into prison that night, it says, and he was singing hymns and songs and spiritual songs. So, so like the question that. I want to kind of pose this morning and look at it, you know, how is it that sometimes when we go through things in life, uh, different pain, different suffering, different loss, different tragedy, how is it that when we look at the scriptures, there's certain men and women that as they go through things, they're able to, to kind of hold on where it seems like most would have given up. They're able, they're able to just, man, there's, somehow there's a joy in the midst of their pain. Have you ever met anybody like that? Have you ever been around someone that, like, man, everything in their life is just going wrong? There's tremendous loss and pain and suffering. And, like, if it could go wrong, it has gone wrong. And yet when you get around them, they're still happy. You are like, what's wrong with you? Why are you, don't you know you're supposed to be depressed and angry and mad and all this stuff? And, And, like, we read this over and over in the Scripture And so the question is: Well, are we missing something? Are we missing something? And and I've kind of there's there's lots of ways and things that we could pose to this question. But I would say, first and foremost, one of the things whenever we're going through something is to worship. It's really that simple. (laughs) To worship. To, in, in the midst of this, in the midst of the not knowing, the, the God, there's no answer at the end of this question. I, why has this happened and this happened? There's loss, there's pain, there's suffering. And yet, time and time again, from all of these men and women, we find them worshiping, going down to the house of the Lord, falling down on their knees. It says, He, he took his clothes, He ran it. He, I mean, not saying you got to shave your hair. I mean, some of you guys have already done that. You know, I don't know if it was by choice. But they worshipped. They worshipped. In the book of Exodus, there's this story where the children of God have been enslaved. They've been enslaved for 400 years. Now imagine that for a moment. 400 years. That means your father and his father and his father, like generations have known nothing but slavery. This has become a common, normal way of life. And, and if I was to ask you, you some of y'all, y'all, you've heard the story, but you know, uh, Moses comes on the scene and says, "You know, let my people go. And for what reason? Where, where, did, where did God want to bring his people? Most of us would think it's the promised land, right? Like God wants to bring people into the promised land, the land that's flowing with milk and honey. But that's not actually what the Bible says. The Bible actually says, listen, release my people that they may worship me in the desert. Release my people so that they may worship me in the desert. See, yeah, there's there's some milk and honey and there's a promised land that's coming. But before you get there, you guys got to make this stop in the desert. And I've learned this about worship. It's like, man, we have the promises of God. And there's these things that we want God to do in our life. But before we enter into the milk and honey, there's often a stop in the desert. There's often a stop in the the dirty place, the dry place, the place that's not flowing with milk and honey, the place that's anything but what you thought the promise was. But wait a minute, hold on, Pastor. Jeremiah 29, 11, but I know the plans I have for you, plans to give you hope and a future and a prosper. Yeah, Absolutely. Do you actually know the context of that letter? The context of that letter in Jeremiah 29 is a letter that's written to a people that are in captivity. They have been hauled away into captivity in Babylon. And and the people are wondering, like, God, when are you going to restore us and restore all this thing? And you know what that letter says? It says, like, listen, you build your houses here. You plant some vineyards here because I know the plans that I have for you, plans to give you a future and a hope. Like, whoa, wait a minute, God, that's not what we want. We want you to d- just do this and just like, bring us over here, just the good stuff. God says, no, 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 hold on. You've got to learn to worship me in this place first. You've got to learn to worship me in the desert. You've got to learn to worship me when everything goes wrong. And, and so he brings the people of Israel out from slavery years and years of slavery and he brings them to the desert that they would worship him and and we're given these 10 commandments and oftentimes when we look at the 10 commandments sometimes we begin to just think of them as um a list of rules and regulations on how it is to please god you know if we do these things this is what pleases god but for a moment let me kind of challenge a little bit of your thinking because it's, it's not just that, but it's more than that. Because the context of when the Ten Commandments were given is given to a people, remember, that has known nothing but slavery. Nothing but slavery. And, and when they've come to this place, it says this. It says, Be- before God gives the list, you must not have any other gods before me. You must not make yourself any, any idols, any graven images. Before he says that, he says this. In Exodus 20 and verse 2, it says, I am the Lord your God who rescued you from the land of Egypt, the place of your slavery. So, like, there's this reminder. Okay, first and foremost, before we get into the rules of this thing, remember, I am the God who's brought you out. And what I've brought you out of is slavery. And so these rules that I'm about to give you are not rules that are just there to define and restrain you, but they're actually rules to teach you how to live free. See, oftentimes we look at rules and we think, man, they're, they're just there to trap us. They're just there to, to, to make life smaller. And God's like, no, 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 no. You've got to learn these things because this is actually will make life bigger. See, you've come out of slavery and, and the, you've got to follow these things. Otherwise, you will just recreate the slavery that you came out of. Don't have any other gods before me. In just a few moments, what are they going to be doing? They're going to be melting down gold earrings and building calves. (laughs) Why? Because, like, that's all they've known. And the same is true for us today. You see, it's not just one thing. Like, God has brought us out of slavery, out of a life that, listen. God, only by your grace and your mercy that any of us are here where we are today. And if we're not careful, we could come into the the saving knowledge of Jesus and only recreate that which we were supposed to have left behind. And and if we just look at the rules of things that I I can't do or have to do, no, no, man, these are there so that like there would be life in his name. And this is what it looks like. Come here, come to this place. Come and worship me in the desert. I'm going to invite Mr. Chris Stanley to the stage this morning as he talks a little bit about worshiping God in the desert.
1: In May of 1993, I was playing softball. In a a church league, and left field, and a guy hit it over my head, so I turned and to run to the fence, and had this excruciating pain in my hip, and didn't know what it was. And started in May, going to doctors all the way down to all the way to October, trying to find why am I hurting? Uh, During that time, I'd I'd had other places started hurting. I had uh, one on my arm, I had uh, my tibia down here, my uh, up in my chest sacrum, my back. I had all these pains that started happening. I was 29 years old. I would never smoked and never drank. I mean, I was pretty as much as boring a person as you've ever wanted to be around. <laughs> Been to church my entire life. And uh, <clears throat> like, Lord, what in the world's going on? So finally got the right doctor to tell me. And he walked in the room. I remember he walked in the room laughing at someone down the hall. And I turned to my wife and I said, it can't be too bad, honey. He's he's in a good mood. And uh, he turned and said, no, I I wish I did have good news for you. And all those places that I had that was hurting for that however many months, they were all tumors. I had ten tumors on my bones. I had non-Hodgkin's lymphoma on uh, stage four when they found it. And I, so God and I had a little conversation, you know, Lord, why me, right? We all have those conversations with God. But through it all, you know, God really, he showed himself in a mighty way, you know, in, in healing my body. I had a, one of the tumors was on top of my head, and it come up overnight. Literally, I was taking a shower one evening, and, and there's this egg on top of my head. And uh, so that happened. I'm like, wow, what's well, you know, that's, that's not good, you know. That tumor went away overnight. I saw it one morning, and the next day, my dad was there. He hadn't really, you know, he's kind of a quiet guy, unlike me. Uh, He said, let me feel this knot on your head. And I said, well, sure, go ahead. And the hole that I have in my head now is the hole that he felt the day after the knot came up. Um, During Christmas, this was, uh, you know, we're in November and December now. Uh, I'm taking chemo. I I went to Chapel Hill, took chemo, and I was singing a Christmas song, and my right femur broke where one of the tumors had eat through my bones. I'm singing this song, and all of a sudden my leg starts doing this, and I'm like, you know, what in the world? And uh, so I went, to the, I went back to the hospital, obviously, that night. Uh, this was December the 23rd. It was about Christmas Eve. And uh, they took me into surgery that, that uh, Christmas Eve morning at 12 o'clock in the, in the, in the midnight I was in surgery till 5 a.m. with a new metal in my hip and all this stuff. 9 o'clock that morning, they come and took me to physical therapy, and I walked on it. And at 1 o'clock, they sent me home, and I never took a pain pill with a new hip. I, they, I had plenty of pain pills, <laughs> but honestly, it never, it never hurt. And here I am with this thing going on. So we got doctor's reports, and you know how doctors are, they have a regimen of things they're going to do to you regardless if you like it or not, right? So I'm in the process of this, and about mid-January, I went for a treatment, and um, they, I would have to stay five to six days in the hospital, okay? So here I am, you know, with the cast on my leg and everything, and they, they start this methyltrexate for you nurses, and I have it for five days. And it totally burned my entire body. I had blisters on my hand uh were white pus blisters in my on my knuckles uh my hands I didn't eat for thirty one days all I could drink was insure. My mouth was covered with this big blister, you know the top the roof of my mouth was covered the sides of my mouth I, um it was just. A very bad moment in time for a few days trying to you know get over this and uh, so I'm at home and I'm laying in my bed I've got a cast on my leg where I've had a tumor break I've got all these blisters I can't eat Um, you know honest to God before God I asked him, God, you know, just go ahead and take me. I mean, I did. I felt like the boils that Job must have had. I had these boils and stuff all over my body. Like, Lord, you know, just why don't you go ahead and take me? You know, and my wife says, you know, I was in a you know a state of depression. I mean, I actually dreamed, and I know this might, I'm just confessing, I actually dreamed about how God was going to take me and, and me flying around with God as I was leaving the earth. I mean, I know that's weird, but... I was fantasizing about God, please take me out of this pain. So I'm laying there one morning and I'm crying and my eyes out and I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I'm, you know, blah, blah, blah. And my wife walks in the door and she sits down at the foot of my bed on a Hope Chats and she looked at me and said, Can you praise him now? And um, that was hard. That was hard to hear that was hard to to even fathom at that moment. it was like, and i- and Pastor Lucas asked me to try to figure out remember that moment, and it's a hard moment to try to remember you know yes, we sang a song. there was a song by Tim Shepard, um I am determined to be invincible until he has finished his work in me, and I'll I know he'll never leave me or never forsake me. I am determined to live for the king. We sing that little chorus. And honestly, after that moment, I I did feel the flood of hope come in my life. But that I see anything physically change in my circumstance? (laughs) Absolutely not. I was still in pain. But I am a firm believer that praise, when you call out to God in praise, that God listens and God comes running in the times when you need him the most. Um, It's like Lucas said, you know, I always, people have asked me about this before, and it was like, you know, what is it that made you do that? Well, that's the easy part, honestly. When you're in trouble, we're in, you know, when you need God, when you have nowhere else to turn, you turn to God. I mean, I love God, and it was not an uh, not a hard thing for me to worship him at that moment although i was not in the right state of mind to think about worshiping him in that moment okay um, but i know that that um that's what i needed to do and that's what god needed me to do it was like it was it was like a priority thing you know to worship him in the midst of the pain i was thinking about it this 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 week and uh, I was just looking through the Word and is and and thinking about people in the Bible that we know that come up against some things like this. I was thinking about Daniel. You know, when he was on the way to the lion's den, I, in my story, in my view of Daniel, I believe he was probably praising God about it. Amen. I mean, we don't know that. You know, um, when I think about Mary after Jesus had died. My version of Mary, when she go when she went to the tomb, was she was she was singing hymns. You know, it's it's hard sometimes to praise Him when everything looks dim. That moment in my life was was the equivalent of me standing in the middle of seventeen at night and raining, and standing in the middle of a lane watching a Mack truck come at me. That's what I saw in my physical place where I was certain death there's no hope you know but that's when praise comes through that's when God comes through at the at the best um uh, again I was thinking about this 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 week and God gave me a song and I'm not going to sing it for you but the words I want to just say the words before i before I leave you um to remind us to praise Him in whatever circumstance you find yourself in. The words are, praise Him now, even when the fear is overwhelming. Praise Him now, when all you can see is the end. And even if everything is against you, praise Him now. Praise Him now, before He walks on the water. Before Jesus is there. You know, in that, in that moment, those disciples, they were fearful they saw Jesus walking on the water. They praised him afterwards. They when, when Jesus brought Peter back in the boat, the word says the disciples worshipped. But praise him before he walks on the water. Praise him now. I lost the words now. Praise him now before the stone is rolled away. Even if joy doesn't come in the morning, praise him now. The word says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be on my lips.
0: Chris, uh, you were 29. How old were the boys at that time? Five and three. Five and three. I mean, could you be? That's the part that kind of gets me. It's like, you know, stage four cancer, and you have a five-year-old and a three-year-old at the house. And um, I think Chris has told me that story before, and I just think about that moment of Carla, uh, Chris's wife, sitting in the room with them, and just saying those words. Can you praise him now? And I just thought, well, first, like that's a good woman. <laughs> like, uh, that's a good. I mean, to like to be able to like in the midst of all that, like the strength for her to say that. And, as a matter of fact, if you look back at um in Job chapter, I think it's in chapter two, where uh, Job has gone through everything he's gone through, and it, there's this point where it says that Job was like sitting down in front of the, the, the little fire, and he's got shars of pottery and he's scratching his uh all these boils on his body and um and then his then job's wife comes in and, and you know what his job's wife says why don't you just curse god and die i'm like all right that's not a good woman <laughs> like like whoa talk about bedside manner i mean wow i mean my, my man's like scratching himself with pottery can a brother get some chicken noodle I mean something you know help me out here gosh Job. I mean you were a smart guy but I think you might have picked wrong bro like this woman like but can you praise and I like and I just think this moment and that Chris had and that choice and um I've had different couples come up and talk to me throughout the years And one of the questions that I often get is, you know, Lucas, if you could give us just one piece of advice, uh, what would it be? And often in that moment, I'll kind of pray real quick and ask God, you know, what what would be the advice I'd give for this couple? Because the advice I'd give for this couple is not going to be the advice I'd give for this other couple. But I think the advice I would give for all of us today if that question was posed and asked um, would be this. Cross your bridges before you get to them. Cross your bridges before you get to them. And what I mean by that is this you've got to make the decision of what you're going to do before the question's even asked. You've got to make up in your mind this is how I'm going to react even before the situation presents itself. If this happens, God, I'm going to worship you. God, if, if, if everything goes wrong, if we're facing foreclosure, God, I'm still going to worship you. If some, somebody approaches me and just there's anger and rage, God, I'm going to answer with peace and love. And God, when, if somebody stabs me in the back, God, I'm not going to let it harden my heart. God, I'm just going to love unconditionally. Cross your bridges before you get to them. Make the decision up front. Listen, all right, if this, you know, God, I'm going I'm to, just, I just choose to worship you. I just choose to worship. Because here's the thing this is what I've learned about worshiping in the desert places. Not everybody's going to be happy. Job's wife, matter of fact, Job's wife was angry. Why don't you just curse God and die? Like, there, there will be people that won't understand how you can do what you do. Like, how could you worship God in the midst of all of this? And that's the beauty of knowing Jesus. That's the beauty of the power of Jesus. That listen, I, it's indescribable. I don't know how. But I could have peace that passes all understanding. I could love you when you don't deserve to be loved. I could pray for you in the midst of you hurting me. I could have all of this happening and all of this going on, and God, I'm still going to worship you. And, and she, the reason why Job's wife was mad at her, mad at Job, is because of Job's integrity. See, her, her question that she posed to Job was why are you still holding on to your integrity? Like, in other words, why are you such a good guy? Like, people won't get it, people won't understand. But to cross your bridges before you get there. Listen, I'm not going to give in to this. I'm not going to fly off the handle. I'm not going to react. I'm not going to be a person that just, I'm going to be a person that acts and doesn't react. Make the decision before you do it. The the second thing is this. You've got to learn to make it through the silence. Because like Chris said, you know, there's that moment, there's the decision, But then all the circumstances doesn't change. It doesn't mean that there's still a long, tough road that has to be walked out. And here's what's amazing about the children of Israel story. God's brought them out of slavery. He's given them, like, listen, I want you to stay free. But then it says this uh, in Exodus, and let me actually read it. It's in Exodus 32. And it says, and when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and they said, come on, let's make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. the story continues and they, hey, let's make some gods, they melt them down, golden calf. Why? It it was out of sheer boredom. Out of sheer, like, it's taken a long time. God, I haven't got the answer that I've looked looking for in the time frame that i'm looking for it and see we've got to be careful that when things are silent that we don't move ahead in our own strength see i don't know about you guys but i have this problem that if something isn't happening i want to try to make it happen all right well i don't know god you're taking forever let me help you out with this god apparently like you didn't get the time frame god i'm just going to help move things along and we're just going to get, I don't know what's going to happen. I just need something to happen. I need anything to happen. And the next thing you know, I'm making golden calves. How many of us have done that? I mean, it's the silence. It's the, it's the deafening silence sometimes. Like, God, I'm not hearing you, so I'm just going to make this happen. Abraham did it. We all do it. And, and we've got to learn to sometimes just sit In the silence. And Job did it. As a matter of fact, it says, and Job, when his friends first gathered around him, it said they sat there with him and nobody opened their mouth for seven days. And just sat and embraced it. And God, I always joke around and say, listen, Job's friends were awesome until they opened their mouth. (laughs) Because the rest of the book is, their friends just saying stupid stuff. And it is, and God even says it at the end of the book. Like, all that stuff that they told you, yeah, that's not good. <laughs> like, and, but, but like, isn't that us, though? Like, oh, well, nothing's happening, so let me try to offer an answer. You know, Job's friends would have just done a better job of just, I, I don't understand why this has happened. Let me just sit with you. This has been a presentation of Coastal Vineyard Church, a community of faith, hope, and love. For more information on who we are and how you can support future podcasts, visit us on the web at www.coastalvineyard.org.